As we keep standing, we are going to read this morning from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 to 26. The epistle of Paul to Timothy, chapter 2, verse 19 to 26. If you are there, say, I'm there. If you are not there, say, wait for me. Second Timothy chapter 2. Verse chapter 2, verse 19 to 26. The NIV version says, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Seal with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. Verse 22. Flee evil desires, flee evil desires of youth, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish, stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must gently, must, must be gently instructed in the hope that, they, that God will grant them repentance, leading them to knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Father, this morning we pray that as your word is coming to us today, may this word bring deliverance, May, we, may this will bring liberation. May it bring transformation. We subject ourselves to your word. This word may be hard, but we need it in our soul. We need it for our transformation. We need it for our salvation. Take glory in this place and speak to us, Lord, in a way we shall understand. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You may take your seats. Amen. Once again, I want to thank you again for coming to the house of God this morning. I know that your coming here, you can never be the same. Amen. Amen. You can never be the same. Because the Lord is in this place. And if you are in the presence of the Lord, the Bible says, you cannot go back the way you came. It's a healing and deliverance service this morning. And I want to talk to you on what I captioned, the benefits of purity. The benefits of purity. But if I have to incline this message to a deliverance sermon, I will caption it a battle for purity. Because purity is a battle. Is somebody hearing me? I was saying the other day that if a device was manufactured, maybe like a little device, that once it's placed, once it is placed on your forehead, it is able to display everything that you're thinking, many of us will not come near that device. We will not come anywhere close because 
Our thoughts are corrupt. Our desires are corrupt. Our feelings are corrupt. So to stay right, to be pure, is a battle. It's a battle we have to fight every day. Hallelujah. So this morning, we are going to be waging war against impurity. And trusting that at the end of this service, God will set somebody free from impurity. In the name of Jesus. I know maybe you are not struggling with anything on pure, but I'm trusting that at the end of this service, the Lord is going to bring somebody out from the grip of impurity. In the name of Jesus. I told you this story some time ago about two couples, two guys, two, uh, a guy and a girl that got married. And after their marriage, they decided to go to the village for honeymoon. And the reason why they decided to go to the village was because they said they wanted to go to a place where there was no distraction. So they could have a good time with themselves. Because when you go to the city, or sometimes you go for a vacation, you end up walking more than when you are home because you're walking from beach to beach, restaurant to restaurant. You come back tired. Like, this is not a vacation. If I have to be walking from place to place, you know, still doing work, I'm not on a vacation. So most people just want to be in a place where there's nothing to do, no distraction. You just spend time with your newly wedded wife or husband. So they went to the village, and in the night, while they were sleeping, something like a creature was jumping, like boom, 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 came and stood at the window. And then as he stood at the window, there were some rays from the creature that came upon them, like some projected rays. And then they fell afraid. The next day, they packed their bags and went back to the city. When the lady had her first period, she was bleeding out maggots, almost like she was rotten inside. She went to all medical hospitals, all experts. X-ray could not show anything. They, they checked her inside. There was no trace of anything wrong with her system. But maggots continued to come out of her system until they decided to go to a man of God that was gifted in deliverance. As they began to pray, the man of God said to them that the foundation of this problem is impurity. Because you, you were not pure in the eyes of God during your engagement to this woman. And the Lord opened their eyes and they said, they said to, the, to, the, to the couple, when they were engaged, they were already having intercourse before they came to the altar. During pre-marital counseling, the pastor asked the man and woman, have you ever known yourselves? They said no. And the symbol of a veil, maybe you don't know, when a woman wears a veil during her wedding is to say that I've never known this man. How many people wear that veil in sincerity? Because that veil means the man is taking that veil off you today for the very first time. This man has never known you. But how many people wear veils who have already known the man? And so the pastor asked them, they said, well, we've never known each other. They were there. And the man of God said, when that pastor was praying for you on your wedding, it was not a blessing you were receiving, it was a curse because you lied in the presence of God. And he said, go confess and make amends. And after they confess and they pray, it ceases. How many of us have laid foundations that we are struggling right now because of impurity? It's a battle to stay pure. It's a battle. We live in a world where everything is impure. You turn to the TV, something is impure. You want to watch a movie, something is impure. You listen to the radio, something is impure. You go to the street, there is somebody who is dressing impure. Everything around us is fighting. 
I told you this is the reason why St. Augustine of the Catholic Church started a monastery. Because he said that the well was so corrupt and he decided to go and stay in an isolated place. That is where the Catholics got the notion of the monastery where we have the monks. Because they said if we take ourselves out of the well, maybe we can find a place where we are not so challenged and tempted by the corruption and the loss that is in this world. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, to be pure is a battle. Hallelujah. To stay pure is a battle. And the Lord is giving us grace this morning to win that battle in the name of Jesus. I said God is giving us grace to win that battle. Let me hear your loudest amen. I will surely win that battle. Amen. Amen. In the scripture that we read in verse 19, it says, nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Now, let me give you a background why the Apostle Paul is writing what he's writing. He was writing to the disciples, to his followers, to Timothy at the time, where the truth was diluted, just like today. Like I said to you, there's some things that I say this morning that some Christians will argue what I'm saying. What is wrong in kissing somebody before you get married? What is wrong in staying together? We are just saving money. So the truth has been diluted to the point that when you are not saying the truth, you are offensive. You are judgmental. You are not sensitive. You are not being nice. But the Bible says that God's foundation stands sure. What does that mean? It doesn't matter what people say or think. There is still a standard that God has. Amen. It doesn't matter how they dilute the truth and water it down and change it to make people comfortable. God still has a standard. Ask somebody, what is your foundation? Ask somebody, what is your foundation? What are you standing upon? Hallelujah. God's foundation is standing sure. We live in a society where things have become normalized. Things that used to be an abomination, today are accepted. Like today, there are churches who have accepted gay marriage. Does that change the foundation of God? No. God's foundation stands sure. Change it. Accommodate it. God's standard remains God's standard. Hallelujah. And it says that, sealed with this inscription, it means that when you go to God's foundation, this is the logo that is on that foundation. It says that the Lord knows those who are his own. What does that mean? Everybody can profess to be a Christian, but God knows who are those who are Christians. You can claim you are born again. You can claim you love God. You can claim you are zealous. You can claim God loves you. You love the Lord. But God truly knows if you love him. He knows. A lot of people claim to be Christians. But God knows those who are truly Christians. And he says, he has this inscription. Those who are called, who confess the name of the Lord, must depart from iniquity. What does that mean? The way people know that we are Christian. It's your ability to turn from evil. If you continue to walk towards evil and pursue evil and go after evil, that means that you are going in an opposite direction from the law. Because God's, God's direction is the direction of holiness and righteousness. Therefore, if you are doing anything that is contrary to that direction, you are not for the law. It says those who confess the name of the Lord must turn. And the word that is used is like you're driving and you realize that I'm on the wrong direction, you make a U-turn. You take an exit and you make a U-turn to go back to the right direction. So this is how the Lord knows that you belong to him. Your ability to turn from what is wrong is what shows you belong to the Lord. 
It says they must depart from iniquity. They must depart from iniquity. The word depart in this text is an active verb in the Greek. It's not a passive verb. It means that it is something you have to do. You have to be intentional about doing. It is not something you say, God help me to do. No, it's something you take the decision to do. How many of you have, have ever gone to your house? And maybe your house is dirty. There are dishes filling your sink. Your toilet seat is all brown. Your top where you take your bath is all nasty. And you say, oh God, give me the grace to clean. Who does that? You just decide and you clean. That is the same word the Bible is, the Bible is using. When it says deeper, it means that you come to a point and say, look, I can no longer continue in this direction. I am making a U-turn. You decide to change. You decide to take another direction. Amen. Amen. There are things you must depart from. It may not be easy, but you have to decide to depart. So they must depart from iniquity. I've told you time and again that there is a difference between sin and iniquity. Every Christian, no matter who you are, you go to sin. But iniquity is the sin that has become normal to your life. That sin that you confess so much now, it just becomes normal. You don't even confess the ones you sin. Because you said sorry over and over to the point that it just becomes very normal. That is iniquity. The thing that you keep doing over and over and over is iniquity. And this is what the Lord is saying. The only way I'm going to know that you belong to me is your ability to turn away from that thing. Amen. Amen. Any iniquity in your life is being destroyed today in the name of Jesus. Your amen amen feels so weak. I say any iniquity in your life shall be destroyed today in the name of Jesus. Remember in Matthew chapter 7 verse 21. This is the scripture that many Christians don't like to hear. And many pastors don't like to preach. When he says that many will come to me on that day. And say Lord, Lord, Lord. Did I not do miracles in your name? Did I not prophesy? And he said the Lord will say to them. Depart from me. You workers of what? Iniquity. What does that mean? If you are practicing iniquity and the trumpet sound today. Let me tell you as a pastor you are not going to heaven. This is the scripture. He said, they will come to me and say, did we not do this in your name? It means that for somebody to have the ability to do miracles and prophesy, they were Christians. They were not doing this to the power of the devil. They were in church. But they were practicing iniquity. And the Lord said, I will say to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I pray that as we come into his presence this morning, any power that is governing your life to live in iniquity shall be broken today in the name of Jesus. It shall be broken today. Can you imagine after I have left all these things in the world, like I used to say to my friends, I have friends that before they were 12, they were already womanizers. They did all these things. They drank alcohol. They smoked weed. They were in drugs. They did all this. Then me, I tried to serve God. Even though I was not all that perfect, but I tried. Then at the end of the day, we all go to the same hellfire. Who was stupid? It's like, bro, after all this church you went to, after all this, you say you don't, you don't drink alcohol, you don't go after women, you don't lie, you don't steal. Then we are still in the same place. What, 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 what? Who was stupid? It's like I enjoy, so I married this place. But you that was one leg in, one leg out, like you wasted all your life. Any power that is governing you in iniquity shall be broken from your life today. In the name of Jesus. God cannot have us to live a life that will compromise us at the end when his trumpet shall sound. And he says in verse 20, he said there are different kind of vessels in the house of God. Vessels of gold, 
silver, of wood, and of clay. You know, like at home, we have different kinds of vessels, even spoons. Some of us have rubber plates, breakable plates, aluminum plates. And sometimes, the value that you have for a, for a, for a visitor describes the kind of vessel you serve that visitor in. Because some vessels are more expensive, some are cheap. The Lord is also saying in the house of God like today, they are aluminum Christians. They are rubber plate Christians. They are glass Christians. They are golden Christians. They are silver plate Christians. So I wonder this morning, what kind of vessel are you in this house? Are you plastic, aluminum, silver, or gold? Or are you clay? What kind of vessel you are? And the Bible clearly says that your ability to purify yourself determines the kind of vessel you are. The ability to keep yourself clean determines the kind of vessel you are. So if you are somebody who is dwelling in iniquity, dwelling in sin, you are surely a vessel of clay because you can be easily broken. You were made out of the dust. But when you cleanse yourself like gold that has passed through fire, it is refined, it is attractive. You become a vessel of gold. May God grant us the grace this morning to become vessels of gold in the name of Jesus. Amen. And he says, those who cleanse themselves, what does that mean? It's a choice. If you decide to walk in purity, it's a choice. Like I'm saying, you can rebel to the truth, you can feel offended by the truth, but it's a choice to receive the word of God and be changed. Or you can say, this is how I've chosen to live, nobody can tell me anything about it. It's all a choice. You can decide today, say, Lord, I am turning away from this thing. I'm decided to walk in purity in the name of Jesus. That is why there are certain things when we talk about Christian, when we talk about the Christian life, some people think we are exaggerating. We are being so hard. We are, we, are, we are taking this thing to the extreme. But if you are going to walk in purity, there are standards you must keep. Hallelujah. There are standards you must keep. You cannot do things anyhow and expect to walk in purity. Like I say, you must watch the gates, what you hear, what you see, what you, what you watch. Those are the things that feed who you are inside. There is no way you are going to be pure when you are feeding yourself with what is impure. Because when it goes outside, when it goes inside, and it fills your heart, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Your expression is going to come from the things that you are feeding yourself with. So it's all a choice. How you respond to what God is saying is a choice. Then in verse 20, 20, 20, 21, going down, it gives us the benefits of purity. Number one, it says you'll be God's instruments for special purposes. Can God come to you and say, hey, there's a lady that I'm trying to set free from this problem, and I think you are the one that I can use. Can God use you? If God wants to set somebody free from immorality, can you be the candidate God will use? If God wants to set somebody free from cigarette, can you be the one God will use? If God wants to set somebody free from life-telling, can you be the one God will use? If God wants to set somebody free from greed, from bitterness, from jealousy, from envy, can you be the one God will use? It means that for you to come to the place where you become God's special instrument, you are purify yourself. You are clean that God can take you. It's almost like whenever we go to the cover where we keep our, our glasses, you look for the cleanness to drink. Nobody drinks out of a dirty cup. The same way, when the Lord is looking for somebody to use, the Lord is going to pick the vessel that is clean to use for his purpose. And that is exactly what the Lord is saying. When you clean yourself, you become 
a vessel that is designed for special purposes. For those of us that are technicians, we always have this special tool in our toolbox that we don't use for any common thing. Anytime you take that one out, it means you have a serious project to do. And the Lord has some people that he has assigned for special purposes. Anytime God wants to do something special, he goes to these people. But if he's going to do something common, something that is everybody can do, then he can select you because you are like everybody. May you become God's special instrument Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. Then the second, he says, you will be holy. The word holy actually means set apart. Or in other words, distinguished. Whenever we go to parties and people are opening their opening speech in parties, they always say, distinguished ladies and gentlemen. What distinguishes from every other person? Is it by your dressing? What distinguishes a child of God is holiness. You are not like every other person. You are not like your friends. You are not like your colleagues. You are not like people in your family. You are different. The Lord says you will be distinguished. You will be set apart. You will be different. Amen. When God looks down, he sees you different. That is why he said about Job. He said to Satan, Satan, as you are going down, up and down the air, to and fro, have you considered my servant Job that there is no one like him? Can you imagine God bragging about somebody? Can God brag about you? Can God say, have you gone to Virginia and seen my daughter? Can God say that about you? Can God actually say that about you? Have you considered my son? Have you considered my servant? That among all preachers, there is no one like him. Can God brag about you? Hallelujah. Amen. You are set apart. And number three, you'll be used by God. Amen. Amen. Many of us are saying, oh God, use me. And God is saying, clean yourself up. You say, oh God, use me. say, clean yourself up. Oh God, use me. Clean yourself up. God has blessings in a pipe that is about to flow in your life. But you pack so much dirt in that pipe that the blessings won't flow. There is a gift of prophecy. The gift of revelation. Power to do miracles. Power for signs and wonders. But they can't flow out because you pack dirt into the pipe that won't allow the gift to flow. God says, clean yourself up and I will use you. Hallelujah. Amen. When you make yourself ready and qualified, the Lord is definitely going to use you. Now, it goes down in verse 22, and it's telling us now how we can keep ourselves pure. And the first thing it says in verse 22, it says, Flee evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, hope, and peace. Flee. Now, I want you to notice the word flee. The word flee here is not like when you, you sit and you decide to meditate, like, should I run? The word flee is like, the moment you see danger, it's like you're walking, you see something that looks like a snake. You don't want to say, is this really a snake? The moment I think that this is a snake, I start running. So you don't pray to overcome evil desires. You flee. Hallelujah. You flee. It's like a man and a woman who are engaged to be married. And every time they meet, they have these, these temptations to do something that is not right. And they are praying, so, oh God, help us to stay pure until we get married. No, you flee. Anytime you're in a place that looks like temptation is coming, you flee. You don't pray, you flee. That's what the Bible is saying here. You flee. Amen. Amen. There are things you must flee from. We must flee from sexual immorality. We must flee from those things that are defining us. 
We must free from those things that the society has made normal. Like I was saying, there are a lot of things that the society has made normal that we as Christians have to decide if we have to flee. Now let me say something that may be very offensive to some people. Do you know that there is nothing like boyfriend girlfriend in the Bible? Can anybody contest that? There is nothing like boyfriend girlfriend in the Bible. Let me say, let me say something. You are, let me say you are 20. You are not even thinking of getting married in the next five years. What is the goal of having a boyfriend? To just born in passion and not do anything. Like somebody said, what is the goal of preheating an oven where you're not about to bake anything? You just put the oven on to bake nothing. And that is how we get ourselves into temptation because the moment you have given yourself to somebody like that, it becomes difficult to resist sin because you've opened yourself up to somebody in a relationship that you're not willing to make it right. And then we have even people, your, your daughter is 17, and you know that this girl is not getting married even in the next, in the next six years. And she walked into the house and said, Mom, this is my boyfriend. What is the goal of having a boyfriend? In other words, this is my legal sin partner. This is the person I've chosen to live in sin with, forsaking all other people. In the Bible, according to what we read in the Bible, when a man saw a woman, the next thing we hear, they were engaged. Then they got married. So, you saw a woman in the Bible culture, you studied the woman from a distance or whatever it means you needed to study. And once you were sure, and if you read in the life of uh, Jacob and Isaac, you discover that when they went to get married, they asked the Lord. Like Jake, the one that was sent to marry a wife for Jake for Isaac, Abraham sent a servant to marry a wife for Isaac. He said, God, if this is the woman that you've chosen for my master, he asked the Lord to give him a sign. But what do we do today? We do boyfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, and we corrupt ourselves to the point that we don't, we don't even know what the choice to make. But when you decide to walk in purity, God will not allow you to go astray. Hallelujah. God will not allow you to go astray. You, you, your boyfriend for six years before you get married. It is only a woman or a man who has no desire that you tell me that for six years somebody has been with a relation and you not talk one another. It's a lie. That is why you must abstain from those things because you don't want to put yourself in a place that will compromise your integrity as a Christian. Once you are getting into a relationship, the goal is to get married. The goal is to get married. Somebody is dating for seven years. You want to have a PhD in dating? The goal of a relationship is to move towards marriage. So there is nothing like that in the scripture. These are things that we have normalized. It has become so normal that people are in church, they are boyfriend, girlfriend, sometimes even staying together in purity. But the Lord is calling us out of this impurity in the name of Jesus. Out of this impurity. In verse 23, it says, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. It's not only sexual immorality that makes a man impure. Your talking also makes you impure. Jesus said that what goes into a man does not define a man, but it's what comes out of a man that defiles a man. So in your talking, you make yourself corrupt. That is why if you are going to walk in purity, then sometimes you just have to keep quiet and not argue because the more you talk, the more you're going to defile yourself and say things that should not be said from your mouth as a Christian. And you know why some people become so bitter and so resentful after a, an argument? Take, for example, that you have an argument with a friend or a colleague and a friend starts insulting you 
and you're insulting a friend back, and you guys are exchanging words. And to a certain point, your friend now says something that touches you to the core. No, that kind of, that kind of truth, maybe a secret that you gave to your friend that nobody has ever known. And your friend now uses that secret to insult you. And then in the course of you trying to, to respond to that, 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 that insult, somebody comes and separates the, the quarrel. Now there is something you wanted to say that you were not able to say. Now what happens after that? There is resentment because something was said that is troubling your spirit. Now you find yourself being angry and being tormented inside because there is something you wanted to say that you were, you were not able to say when you were in this quarrel. The Bible says avoid all these quarrels. Hallelujah. It says avoid them. So as God's people, we should not embark on stupid quarrels. Even sometimes preaching. We spend time arguing people who are not interested in the truth. Once I discover that this man is not about truth, I don't spend time talking to you. Because if you are a Christian and you are talking to somebody, you can discern if this person is seeking for truth to change or they are just trying to argue. Once you understand that they are just about philosophy, don't waste your time. It is wasted effort. Because sometimes your spirit is grieved. Can you imagine that you are trying to tell somebody the truth and they are saying something contrary? You explain this, they say something contrary. To a certain point, you start feeling offended. And God does not want us in that mood because we are defiling ourselves. Once you understand that this person is not interested in the truth, back away. Because you can't save such a person. Hallelujah. Amen. And in verse 25 it says, In humility, correct those who are in position. If perhaps God will grant them repentance so they may know the truth. So you, you say what is supposed to be said and leave it like that. If they take it, in humility, you just say, this is what the Bible says. You have a choice to take it or leave it. Now, if they decide to take it, good. If they don't take it, no problem. You move on. But you don't stay there. Now, we come to the heart of this message that leads us into prayers. The problem of impurity, which is in verse 26. The problem of impurity. He said, and, they, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare. King James said, the captivity of the devil haven't been taken captive by him to do his will. What does that mean? Many people cannot stay pure because they are under the devil's captivity. That's what verse 26 is saying. The reason why some of us are not able to do the right that we know how to do is because we are under the devil's captivity. And this is the picture that as I'm studying and seeing, if you've ever been where they catch fish, they throw a net and then fishes will swim and entangle themselves in that net and the fisherman will pull it out. That is exactly what the devil is doing. The devil sees that you're saved and he brings a net into your house like this and he's waiting for your head to get into that net so he can catch it. That net may be TV. He brings the net right into your living room and as you're watching, you're interested in that movie even though you know this is wrong. Before you know it, your head is in that net. Now you cannot come because you are in the devil's captivity. You see yourself trying to go back over and over because you are entangled in that net. But let me announce to you, God is setting you free today. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. He sets a net for your finances. And once you fall into that trap, he said, look, just change this number. And once you change it, everything will be fine. In 2014, you lied in your tax. You say, hey, this is the last time. 2015, you lied again. 16, you lied again. 17, you, because you are in the devil's net. You know that this is wrong, but the ability to do the right, you can't do it because you are in the devil's net. 
But let me announce to you, God is breaking that net today. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I said God is breaking that net today. Amen. That is why it is possible to be a Christian, tongue speaking, and still be oppressed by the devil. Because there are areas of your life that you have not submitted to God, and the devil has held you captive in that area. And that's why deliverance is necessary. So as we come today, as we pray, I'd like you to open yourself up to God and say, God, set me free from whatever area you are experiencing impurity. Amen. Amen. Impurity manifests in different ways. There are people that are pure outside. They don't smoke. They don't drink. They don't do nothing immoral. But the way they think, if they project what they are thinking, you will not be able to, you, can, you cannot watch that movie. Horrible images in their minds. You have to allow God to help you overcome that impurity. Amen. Amen. Now let us read Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 is going to help us understand the power that governs people in impurity. Mark chapter 5, I'm going to read from verse 1. Mark chapter 5 from verse 1. The Bible says they went across the lake to a region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man, listen, a man with an impure spirit. What does it say? What does your version say? A man with an impure spirit. Now, if you have an impure spirit, how can you be pure? A man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in tombs and could not bind and could not bind him anyone, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand or foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons off his feet. Imagine, they tied him with chains, he cut it off. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Now you understand why these people who are, who are cutting themselves, doing all kinds of therapy, you know it's a spirit. They will say, no, they are depressed, they are traumatized. It's a spirit that is walking behind those things. They caught themselves. When Jesus saw him from a distance, he ran and fell at his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. That is the spirit Jesus was addressing. And this is the spirit that is governing many people in this nation. When you see a young lady who is able to go on TV naked with no shame, you think it's natural? No. There's a spirit behind those actions. We, can't, we live in a dispensation where nudity has become so normal. People can be naked and not ashamed. They are governed by a spirit. And Jesus said, come out of him. Then Jesus said, in the, he said, in the name of Jesus, Jesus asked him, what is your name? Since my name is Legion, he replied, because he said, we are many. And he begged Jesus again not to send him out of the area. Now we understand that for us to be pure, sometimes there are spirits that are working behind to keep us in impurity. I told you about a, a, a woman that brought a young girl to church. She was like 16. And this girl will go out with boys. The father was a police officer, went ahead to arrest their boyfriend. After the boyfriend was released from prison, the girl was back in the boy's house. There is nothing the parents have not done. And once they brought the girl to church as we were talking, I realized the girl was possessed. After prayer, she was able to stay for one week without going out of the gate. 
And the mother was surprised, surprised. I said, this is not a girl. There is a spirit in the girl that is causing the girl to do all what he's doing. Sometimes as parents, you're trying to counsel your children. You give them the best advice. But they are not listening because there is a spirit behind their actions. That is why as a parent, if you are not prayerful, you cannot truly parent your children. Because you say all what you say with your words, but your words don't have the power to challenge the demon in them. Sometimes it is, your, it is on your knees that you parent your children. Amen. You rebuke that spirit behind your daughter. You rebuke that spirit behind your son. You rebuke that spirit behind your husband or behind your wife. Once you take that place of authority, then the chains are broken. This morning, I don't know anyone here who is under the influence of any spirit that is causing you to live in impurity. The Lord is here today Amen. to set you free. Amen. I say the Lord is here today to set you free. Amen. Many addictive behaviors are demon orchestrated. Many addictive behaviors are demon orchestrated. That is why people go for therapy after six months they last because it is not therapy. There is a spirit behind that is causing them to do what they do. You talk to them, you counsel them, the next day they go back to it again because it is more than natural. But as we begin to pray this morning, if there is any power, like the lady called me after we prayed on, on Friday, said, Pastor, sometimes I'm talking to somebody. He said, before I know it, I will tell a lie that I'm surprised. That's what the lady said to me. He said, Pastor, I will tell a lie that I'm surprised. And guess what? We started praying on the phone. She started vomiting and screaming on the phone. She got a deliverance on Friday. And I said, if somebody can be delivered on the phone, what about you that is here this morning? Anything that is holding you is about to leave you. Amen. I say it's about to leave you. Amen. 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 There's a spirit that controls people. Say, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm sincerely talking to somebody with no intention to lie. He said, but out of nowhere, something that is not even beneficial to me, I will just tell a lie that after I'll be so ashamed of what I said. Spirits. And sometimes we wonder why we do certain things. God is here this morning to set us free. Amen. Can we stand on our feet? God is here to set us free. God is here to set us free. Hallelujah. If you are here this morning and you feel that this word is for you, I want you to open your mouth and begin to talk to the Lord. Begin to talk to the Lord. I said there are two ways you can respond. You can say, God, yet I might help me, or you rebel. You can submit yourself to God to be free, or you can choose to stay how you want. But in me, I'm coming to God this morning Say, God, I need your help. Set me free from this impurity. Set me free from this captivity. Help me to overcome. I am tired of living this way. I am tired of doing the same thing. Help me, my father. If you are desperate, cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the I cannot continue like this. I cannot continue to live like this. I cannot continue to act like this. Lord, help me. 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 Lord, help me.